Good morning, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, remember when we were the ones all stressed out about going into pandemic lockdown? Well, now it's our pets that are stressing as those family routines are getting back to normal. We'll tell you how to make Fido's transition a little smoother. Also this morning, soaring inflation and skyrocketing gas prices are hard on everyone, but especially for those on a fixed income. A new AARP report finds a growing number of seniors are being forced into taking on debt just to make ends meet. And we have a special collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen for those who are going meat-free for Lent. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, March 18th, 2022. you need a reason to celebrate today, it is Awkward Moments Day. Awkward Moments Day, which comes the day after St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) So, a day to uh, apologize and atone for all of the awkward moments that uh, you had after having maybe a few too many Irish beers yesterday. It is not a coincidence that Awkward Moments Day falls on the day after St. Patrick's Day. Uh, It is also Forgive Mom and Dad Day, the Goddess of Fertility Day. It is National Biodiesel Day, National Sloppy Joe Day, and Lacey Oatmeal Day. Cookie Day, Lacey Oatmeal Cookie Day today. So, need a reason to celebrate. There you go. So, did you see the... I did not see the entire uh, Kentucky-St. Peter's game last night. I did come in late, and uh, I saw the overtime period. And I, from what I am given to understand, according to the analysts after the game, St. Peter's pretty much dominated that game over Kentucky. It was not a fluke that they uh, came out on top. I mean, even took it to overtime. And so congratulations to the uh, Roadrunners. Um, Today, of course, the Buckeyes will open up their tournament run. Hopefully it won't be a one and done for Ohio State. But man, they have struggled of late. And it's not like uh, Loyola Chicago doesn't know what it's like to play on the big stage. Uh, they have done that before, and uh, Sister Jean and the boys will certainly be ready for the Buckeyes, will not be intimidated at all. It's not a uh, an easy first-round game by any stretch for uh, Ohio State, um, but that will be one of the early tip-offs this morning. Um, we mentioned yesterday on the program how you know that people check their March Madness brackets while they're at work and... Uh, billions of dollars in productivity uh, are lost uh, over the next couple of weeks because of all of the uh, tournament games, distracted employees, and all of that. A new survey shows just how mad Americans are about March Madness. 37% of employees say they plan to call out sick or otherwise skip work just to watch their favorite teams in action. (laughs) Uh, 46% uh, of workers, even among those who are not going to call in sick and play hooky to watch the tournament, 46% admit that the distraction of the tournament does make them less productive at work. And um, 43% 
say they won't play hooky, but they will be watching games, maybe on their mobile device when they're supposed to be on the clock. Um, 48% of those in this uh, one poll survey say the March Madness tournament beats out the Super Bowl. And so they look forward to this more than they do the Super Bowl. And another recent study bears that out. Uh, $10 billion will be bet this year, 30% more than on the, on the uh, Super Bowl. So more money being wagered on March Madness. Um, 40% of those in this survey say they have joined an office pool, a bracket pool at work. And uh, the average respondent, in fact, has entered three bracket pools. Uh, by the way, the uh, odds of having a perfect bracket uh, are one in 9.2 quintillion. And uh, especially with Kentucky going out to St. Peter's, I think that probably busted some brackets. Definitely busted some brackets. On to some of the uh, first things you need to know this morning, some of the most important and uh, buzzworthy stories of the day. Now, if you've been paying attention to the news at all, you know that there have been a lot of American companies that have joined the exodus from Russia uh, in order to stand with Ukraine against the Russian invasion of that country. McDonald's has pulled out. Um, that was, that was one of the big ones, McDonald's pulling out, but virtually every Western company, uh, every U S company has pulled out, uh, of, of Russia, but not Coke industries, uh, Coke industries, the multinational conglomerate, um, whose founders have, uh, also, uh, founded and created a, an empire of conservative lobbying groups over the year years, uh, Coke Industries, um, headed by conservative activist billionaire Charles Koch, employs about 600 people in Russia, and the company said in a statement yesterday, or I'm sorry, on Wednesday, they issued a statement that they will not walk away from their employees in Russia, nor will they abandon their uh, factories there because... and. Again, you can criticize them. I mean, it seems to be the fashionable thing now to withdraw from Russia. We're not going to do business with the Russians uh, because of their invasion of Ukraine. But their argument, uh, Koch Industries' uh, argument is that if they abandon their factories, they are essentially turning them over to the Russian government. And they said they are not going to do that. Uh, the statement issued by Charles Koch calls uh, Russia's attack on Ukraine an affront to humanity, and uh, the company has said it has provided financial assistance to its workers from Ukraine and their families, and uh, they stand in solidarity for from uh, with Ukraine, but they will not withdraw from Russia. So it's kind of interesting uh, going against the grain with respect to the uh, response there, but I, I can understand the logic. There is a certain logic there that uh, they are going to stand by their employees and they don't want to hand over their factories to the Russian government. So uh, I guess you can understand it from uh, that standpoint. But it'll be interesting to see if there's any blowback uh, on that in the debate over uh, Coke Industries deciding not to withdraw from Russia. So 
Uh, some of the other most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the morning. I saw this uh, on the uh, Newswire. You remember uh, during the height of the pandemic, um, that, that first year of the pandemic, when it was at its worst, right? And we were under lockdown and all that. People were stressing out. And uh, there were reports that tobacco use was on the rise. People were buying uh, more tobacco products. And uh, now it appears that trend is reversing itself. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention released data yesterday showing that the percentage of adults who use tobacco products nationally, including traditional cigarettes and vaping devices, fell from 21% to 19%, uh, which is the lowest level since the mid-1960s. Now, that still represents some 47.1 million adults nationally who use tobacco products in 2020. but the uh, the Lung Association says this is definitely positive news as those numbers uh, continue to uh, decline. But uh, they say the problem isn't solved yet, but it is encouraging. So I thought that was really interesting because, again, the uh, numbers seem to suggest that tobacco use uh, had the trend had reversed itself and it was uh, on the rise during the pandemic. But the uh, numbers say otherwise. So that is good news. I don't know it, what this means, this story that uh, came out of the Insurance uh, Institute. Or no, I'm sorry. No, uh, bop, 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 bop. Uh, the insurance comparison website Insurify put these numbers out. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to misattribute this. It was not the Insurance Institute. It was the insurance comparison website Insurify. They have rounded up a list of the top 10 cars people with DUIs drive. The most commonly driven cars by those who have a uh, drunk driving charge on their record. Uh, They say for each model, the shares of drivers with a prior DUI violation was compared against the total population of motorists that owned that model overall. And, uh, Seven of the top ten vehicles on their list are pickup trucks, most commonly driven vehicles by those with a DUI on their record. Uh, at the top of the list, the Dodge Ram 2500. Nearly 5% of people who drive a Dodge Ram 2500 have a DUI violation on their record. Nearly 5%. Overall, About 1.78% of all car owners have a prior DUI violation, so much, much higher than the average. The Subaru WRX was number two. The Chevy S-Series trucks, number three. The Audi A4, number four on the list. The GMC Sonoma, uh, round out the top five. The rest of the top ten, the Toyota Tacoma, the Chevrolet Silverado, the GMC Sierra, the Dodge Dakota, And the Ford Contour, which hasn't been in production for 20 years or more. But those are the top 10. And I don't know whether that's useful information or not, or whether it's just interesting. I don't know if they uh, advocate charging more for people who drive those vehicles, because there's I don't know that there's a cause and effect or anything like that, but it is interesting uh, data nonetheless. And how about this? A very interesting, very buzzworthy story this morning. 
a professor at Chapman University in California has gone to uh, most unusual lengths to try and find out who cheated on a recent exam in his class. He is actually suing his students for copyright infringement. Now, here's the story. David Berkowitz uh, teaches a, a class at Chapman University, and uh, the uh, midterm and final exam uh, that he he put out, he actually, because they've been doing you know remote work and remote classes, right, with the uh, pandemic, especially in California, they haven't been in person. So this was a, a home exam, it was a business law course that was, uh, and this happened in the spring 2021 semester. He said, you may not use class materials and you may not copy any part of the test. Nonetheless, uh, one or more students did post the exam questions on the document sharing website, Course Hero, asking for help. He caught wind of it, and so he got a hold of the website to see who posted uh, the uh, exam materials online in violation of the rules. The website said, we can't share that information with you. Uh, it's private. You want, you want it, you have to get a subpoena. So in order to get a subpoena, he filed a lawsuit. He claims copyright infringement, that uh, the students did not have the right to reproduce, make copies, distribute, or create derivative works of his exam. He's got a point. It is, I guess, copyrighted material. And uh, it was copyright infringement. He said he has no intention of following through and bankrupting students or families. He just wants to find out who cheated so they can take appropriate disciplinary action. But interesting, an interesting tactic nonetheless. Would that make you think twice about cheating on the next exam? <laughs> One that you could be uh, sued for copyright infringement? Interesting. There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your TGI Friday started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather becoming mostly cloudy today. Some showers, a high of 63. Showers possible tonight, a low of 51. The Finley Police Department says a man with a knife and a handgun robbed a business. Police say a white male entered Shamrock Skills on Tiffin Avenue on Wednesday. The suspect was holding a knife and had a gun in his waistband, according to police. The suspect grabbed money from the register and fled the scene. Nobody was injured. We have a description of the suspect and the numbers to call with tips on the website. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine is facing criticism for signing a bill that would allow Ohioans to carry concealed firearms without a permit. About half the states now have this provision. And this is, I think, consistent with uh, the United States Constitution. That's the response from Governor Mike DeWine after he signed the controversial constitutional carry law this week. The law allows any legal gun owner to carry a weapon without a permit. The NRA praised the move, but many law enforcement organizations and Democrats have condemned it. Onan's Brittany Bailey reporting. Get more on the new law on the website. Gliding Stars of Finley is putting on their ice show this weekend. Cindy Bragel says the organization helps people with disabilities enjoy time on the ice with specialized walkers and skates. So with all that specialized equipment, that's how we're able to look at that individual, look at what their needs are and get them out on the ice. And she says the organization's many on-ice volunteers are crucial. That's something that if we don't have on-ice volunteers, we can't do what we do. The Gliding Stars Awesome Dance Party Ice Show is coming up on Sunday at the Cube. 
The Intel Corporation says it plans to invest $100 million in Ohio's higher educational institutions over the next 10 years. Intel officials joined the governor at Columbus State Community College to announce the new initiative. The company plans to invest $50 million directly in Ohio's colleges and universities and another $50 million in national science education programs. The investment is part of Intel's overall $20 billion plan to build one of the biggest semiconductor operations in the world in central Ohio. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, with more people returning to the office now, there is a lot of anxiety and stress uh, surrounding what to do with our four-legged family members who have kind of become accustomed to having us around, uh, not if not 24-7, uh, at least most all of the time. And joining us this morning is international dog trainer Tom Davis with more on the type of care and training that is required to keep our pets happy as we transition into this next phase of getting back to what is normal for us and Tom it is kind of ironic that it was us humans that were stressed out when we went into lockdown and now it's our pets that are stressing as we are coming out yeah that's right Chris and and I, and I think you know a lot of people got puppies and got dogs which is great you know over the pandemic and as we're starting to transition into normalcy and getting back to work full time our dogs are trying to figure out what the heck is going on. So it's definitely something that, that needs to be talked about to make sure that our dogs are well taken care of during this transition. And by the way, this is not a one-way street. I saw this survey by the uh, online pet care platform WAG that 41% of dog owners returning to work said that they will actually miss their dogs more than their kids or their spouses. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people are probably out there saying, yeah, that's probably true. And it, and it may be even higher than that these days. And I think another reinforcing thing to that, Chris, is 93% of people actually said that their dogs or their animals at home has provided them better mental health support and less anxiety and stress. So it makes no, it's no surprise to me that more than half the people that were polled by WAG said that, hey, I'm going to miss my dog or my cats or my pets more than my significant other. Yeah. So uh, I guess it, it is only fair that they have provided us so much uh, support with our mental health that we in turn provide them the uh, mental health, if you will, for what they are going to be going through. What type of, of care and training do we need to keep uh, pets happy and healthy when we are not around all the time? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and I think just in general, pandemic or not, puppy or not, I think people just really need to to know two big things as a professional, uh, exercise and training. I think uh, what happens, Chris, is a lot of times people don't really invest or pay attention to training until there's a problem. And it's kind of like our health, you know, or just us as humans. If, you know, something goes wrong, then we care. And then sometimes it's too late. And I think for, for dogs, it's important to make sure that they're getting exercise, they're getting training at a very early age. And I, I've never met a dog that didn't love a walk. And so I think that those are the two big things that people really need to be focusing on. If uh, we find that our dog is suddenly misbehaving, uh, again, as we are transitioning back to a what is for us a more normal routine, but maybe it's not for them. Is that what we trace it back to? And how do we address that? 
And like we said in the beginning, is, is dogs are going to be a little confused about what the heck's going on. Everybody's now leaving the house instead of sticking around and watching Netflix. And so I think it's, I think there is services out there. Uh, for an example, WAG, the company who conducted this whole survey, uh, can connect you has a really great app that you can connect uh, with local pro pet care providers in their area. And, and, and like I said before, whether you hire a dog walker or you hire your neighbor or whatever, I think it's important for that exercise, having somebody come in um, and, and providing the care for your pets as you get back into work. And then, of course, those the time that we do have to spend with our pets, we need to make it a, an extra concerted effort to pay attention to them and you know spend that quality time because they really depend on us. This is we are their whole lives. Exactly. And think about education. You know, as as human beings, you know, think about the education that we do. A quarter of our life is dedicated to education, if not more. I mean, we start off at pre K. And then we go all the way to advanced uh, college sometime. And I think it's important for dog owners to understand that they mm. also need to provide that those services and need to provide those things to really help their dog understand what their jobs are. I think a lot of dogs deal with anxiety and stress because they don't know why they're there. I mean, dogs need more than love and attention and comfy beds and a good yeah. health diet. But they need more than that. They need they need a leader. They need somebody to, to to provide them structure. Most dogs that I that I work with primarily that have issues, uh, these issues are, are very easily avoided if you just start training at an early age. Yeah, that uh, that structure and that stimulation uh, is what they uh, they really crave. And and you mentioned something earlier. I want to go back and and ask about. You were talking about uh, for a lot of families, they got uh, they adopted dogs uh, into their homes at the start of the pandemic. Um, and which is true, and those pets may not uh, have experienced or, or may not have been a part of the family before all of this happened. But what about uh, pets that were part of the family uh, before that have, you know, we, we had a normal routine, we changed it, and now we're going back to where it was before. Are they just as likely to have this um, separation anxiety or this misunderstanding about what's uh, going on, even though they were part of the family prior to all of this? It's a great, great question, Chris. And I think what I, as a professional, what I would look at is dogs love routines. They, they're conditioned animals. They learn through conditioning. Um, and so if we have a, a routine of two years of being home, yeah, definitely. I mean, a dog that even if they're not a puppy or even if we had them, like you said, before the pandemic, absolutely, for two years. That's a, conditioning an animal for two years is a great deal of, of yeah. time to teach them new habits and to teach them new routines. So absolutely, it's going to apply for people who got who has had a dog before the pandemic. Yeah, so don't think that this doesn't apply to me because I've had my uh, pet well before all of this started and we're just going back to normal because pets don't think in that same way. Uh, you also mentioned, and I, I want to bring this up, um, and we talk about uh, getting uh, the proper care uh, for our pets. Uh, you are a big advocate for uh, pet insurance, uh, just like human health insurance, right? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a big advocate for education. I'm a big advocate for, for being proactive and making sure dogs um, get the care that they need. And, and insurance is one of those things. You know, I see a lot of people not being able to afford some of the unfortunate emergency care that they may deal with. Um, and I just couldn't imagine showing up to, to a vet clinic and not being able to afford 
the care that, that my dog needs because it's an unexpected vet visit. So health insurance is just as important for our our pets as it is for us. Absolutely. I'm going to plant that seed as well. Again, international dog trainer Tom Davis with us talking about uh, the care and training that we need in order to help our pets transition back to what is for us a more normal routine post-pandemic. Tom, where do we get more information? Yeah, and all the things that we talked about and the studies that WAG did, you can find more resources on everything at wagwalking.com. Tom Davis, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Have a great day. Well, you remember a few days ago, we were talking that older Americans on a fixed income are among the hardest hit groups by rising inflation and soaring gas prices. More evidence of that in a new AARP survey out this week. Mary Liz Burns is Communications Strategy Director for Savings and Planning at AARP with us this morning. And Mary Liz, what do older adults have to say about their financial situation at the moment? Older adults, like all of us, are actually so worried about increased prices and expenses, especially, called inflation. When it comes to things like gas or their housing costs or the turkey and bacon they're buying at the store, it's really eating into your savings, not allowing you to save for emergencies. It's really caused a lot of havoc. And what we found in our research is that older Americans are taking on more debt, and that's the troubling trend. Sometimes they're taking on debt in order to cover those unplanned expenses. And I think that's where people are feeling very paralyzed. They're really worried about when is this going to ever end. And, of course, I would imagine not only the uh, concern or the stress over where prices are now, but fears about where they may be going for their price increases on down the line, I would imagine, are, are running especially high as well. People are really worried from the research about prices rising faster than their incomes. But if you're on a fixed income as an older adult, you really have no wiggle room whatsoever. You know, we can't control what's happening with inflation. We don't know what, how much more prices are going to increase. But the one thing ARP is trying to do is to help people manage their debt and help them save a little bit for emergencies so that when those unplanned expenses that happen all the time, that they can be a little better prepared and have better financial health in the long run. Yeah, as you were mentioning, and it is uh, particularly alarming that seniors, especially older adults, are are taking on debt just to meet those daily expenses, those everyday expenses, just taking on debt to survive. It's never a good thing to take on too much debt, but especially taking on debt for that reason is particularly concerning. When you are taking on debt because you can't afford to live in your everyday expenses, you know that there's a problem. But, you know, the real piece of this is that a lot of people don't know when taking on debt what it really means in terms of higher interest rates. Or maybe they have payments they can't quite afford. They have to actually get even more debt in order to cover the other debts. And that's what ARP is seeing from folks today. And in our research, 42% of people who have debt say they can't manage it, which means they're only making the minimum payments. So you can see how that debt just continues to spiral for folks. And that's why we're here, trying to create tools and resources to help people, especially in this situation. So how do you do that? I mean, how do you manage uh, manage that debt when, again, uh, the argument is, this is the only way that I can make ends meet? 
there's no perfect answer about managing debt. But one thing we do know is that it's really important to make sure you see all your debts in one place. And that what ARP Money Map, which is a free digital tool that we've created, allows you to do. You can put in all of your debts and see what your payments are on a monthly basis. We help you with step-by-step guidance about where it makes the most sense to maybe reduce some of your payments to some of the debts that really are a little bit, quote-unquote, less important or really don't harm your credit score like others do. We help you rank kind of where your dollars are today in the budgeting that you've got and just help you make a plan so that you feel a lot more in control. I think that's what people are really missing today. They just don't know where to turn and they feel completely out of control because they can't control the prices either. Yeah. So talk a little bit about this this money map, uh, how it works and what the benefits are. AERP Money Map is a free digital tool that we created, also available in Spanish. And you're able to go on to the tool and basically take whatever financial challenge you're facing. Maybe you have an unplanned medical bill that you got or a car repair, or maybe you've got so many debts that you just need to see where they're all going. Maybe you need to build a budget because you haven't done that in a while to see where your income and expenses are going. AERP allows you to do all of that for free with step-by-step guidance You get a free action plan. And what I love the most besides of ARP being, uh, ARP Money Map being free is that it doesn't link to your financial accounts. So there's your privacy and security are completely protected. And it allows you basically to be able to change any of that information to help be dynamic with you and the way that your budget flows. So it's really interactive. It's easy to use. We don't sell any products. It's available to everybody age 18 and over. Important point uh, to uh, emphasize, not just for older Americans, but for everyone, because obviously this is an equal opportunity stressor, as we were talking about the other day. And, and again, just to reemphasize the point that you were making earlier uh, about the fact that this can so easily turn into such a negative snowball when you're adding on debt just to service prior debt or just to make ends meet. The tough times, the inflation, the high gas prices, that's not going to last forever but if you dig your hole too deep then your your issues are going to far outlast the current hardships that follows you so more older adults are taking car loan debt when they're older they're taking even student loan debt over 20 percent of student loan debt holders in america today are over the age of 50 Mm. so these debt follow and compound on one another. I think that's why we're trying to create these tools and resources and more at ARP.org slash money map, where you can be able to get this free action plan for you today. Obviously, we will link that up on our webpage as well, so folks can uh, avail themselves of those tools and resources. Mary Liz Burns, again, Communication Strategy Director for Savings and Planning at AARP with us this morning. Mary Liz, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Have a good day. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. You know, the war in Ukraine has been on the minds of many people around the world, but it's probably not a good idea to discuss the issues of the world while you're out partying with your friends. One woman in Manchester, England, said she was doing just that, celebrating a friend's birthday on Saturday when they all started discussing the war in Ukraine. 
The 34-year-old woman said she had already had a few double pink gins and a few shots, and so she was feeling pretty good when she drunkenly decided to take a taxi to Ukraine to help. (laughs) They were talking about the war, and she said, I'm going to go help. I'm going to take a taxi to Ukraine, which I guess you could do from from England, right? Um... (laughs) She said she tried to order a a ride through Uber, uh, which the app estimated would cost around (laughs) $5,900. She was turned down for her ride due to insufficient funds in her account. (laughs) But it didn't stop Uber from trying to charge her. Apparently, they charged her or they tried to charge uh, her account nine different times for the uh, Uber ride from Manchester, England to Ukraine. She said, she said her bank even called her the next morning thinking that her card had been fraudulently used. <laughs> I'm going to take a taxi to Ukraine. I'm going to get an Uber to Ukraine. I'm going to go help. <laughs> Elsewhere in the broken news... You know how yesterday we had a bunch of stories uh, out of Florida. Uh, today, it seems to be Pennsylvania, the hot spot for the broken news. A 57-year-old woman in uh, the Keystone State is accused of breaking into his... Uh, let's try that again. 57-year-old woman accused of breaking into her neighbor's home while she was naked, stealing his shotgun, and then barricading herself inside her own home. <laughs> The neighbor says he was just washing his dishes, minding his own business, when suddenly he saw his neighbor, naked, walking toward his back door. This happened this uh, past Saturday. And uh, then he saw her leave with his shotgun. (laughs) Excuse me, where are you going with that shotgun? Uh, when When he asked her that question, where are you going with my shotgun? He says she told him, it's my house. She was eventually taken into custody and treated for self-inflicted sword wounds. So I don't know where the sword comes in on this whole thing, but there's a lot going on in this story. Not sure where in Pennsylvania that was. It just says Pennsylvania on the dateline. This is a story from Hazleton, Pennsylvania, where firefighters were called to a residence on Monday to help a dog stuck on a roof. (laughs) Do we have... A story, I mean, of all of the animals that you expect to get stuck on a roof, cats, birds, dogs usually don't climb up onto rooftops. But when local firefighters arrived, not only did they find the dog standing calmly on the roof of the apartment building with a third floor balcony door open behind them, uh, rescuers deduced the dog had used the balcony door to get onto the roof, but they weren't sure if the pup meant to go up there on purpose, but After speaking to residents of the building, the first responders learned that this dog was known for walking up to the roof just to sunbathe, apparently. (laughs) The uh, other residents of the apartment building said, yeah, dog does it all the time. Fire department says we were unable to make contact with the dog's owner, but eventually the dog came down of its own accord and went back into the apartment Uh, while they were on scene trying to figure out how to take care of the problem. (laughs) Dog just loves being 
up high, scout out the neighborhood, see what's going on, apparently. <laughs> and finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, this from the international file of the broken news, residents of Frankville, Ontario, a small town near Ottawa, are all abuzz over a fork in the road that has gone missing. A literal fork in the road. For the last two years, a nearly 10-foot stainless steel fork in the middle of a split in the highway has been a local landmark, and now it has gone missing. Back in 2019, Bill Gibbons, who lives in Frankville, approached uh, the township's mayor with a request to place his metal sculpture on city land. He wanted to put a fork in the road at the fork in the road. The whole council, town council, apparently got behind it thinking this could be some, something of a tourist attraction. It is quirky. It is unique. It is really fun, Mr. Burrow says. And when it went missing, it was a real gut punch to the community. Is It was just a senseless theft. Uh, the artist, the men who uh, created the fork in the road, is a guy by the name of Chris Benfalvi, who spent months fabric- fabricating the giant utensil out of stainless steel. And he said it's kind of hard for them to, to scrap it because I know all of the scrapyards uh, are, are aware of its status as a local landmark. And apparently all of the local scrapyards have been called and alerted so they know to be on the lookout for the giant fork. <laughs> a police report has been filed. Uh, they're hoping that the thief returns it, uh, whether they put it back where they found it or just drop it off someplace in the middle of the night. Uh, the uh, mayor of the town says he doesn't care. He just wants the fork back. The artist, Mr. Ben Falvey, says he is committed to replacing the piece if it doesn't turn up. So <laughs> somebody stole the giant fork in the road. Where do you hide a giant 10-foot fork? <laughs> Crazy. There you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <laughs> text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. This message provided by WFIN. You know, we were talking about this uh, a little bit yesterday. We, we mentioned how the U.S. response uh, standing in solidarity with Ukraine in this uh, crisis uh, involving Russia and everything is has kind of brought people together across the uh, political aisle. Everybody uh, feels the same way uh, about the war in Ukraine. And it's often said that a lot of times adversity will bring people together. But that certainly didn't happen during the pandemic. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. In a new CBS News YouGov poll, 68% of Americans said COVID divided the country. 
I was actually surprised it wasn't higher than that. Uh, 14% said somehow it made us more united, but I'm not sure uh, how that would be. But 68% of Americans believe that COVID divided the country. What was really interesting, I thought, is when you break the numbers down, they went on to ask to those uh, among those who believe that the pandemic divided us, they went on to ask how, in what way, what was it about the pandemic that specifically divided us? And 78% said it was the vaccines. That battle between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated was the biggest divisive uh, issue of the COVID-19 pandemic. 75% said mandates and health policies, so a very close second. 71% said it was all along political lines. So it wasn't so much the mandates or the vaccines, it was the political undertones that divided us further 71 percent said along political lines and 70 percent that this was really interesting too 70 percent uh cited uh misinformation who do you trust who and what do you trust the information sources that people trust uh different levels of uh, trust in information some of the uh, ways that the pandemic divided us and you have to wonder how long it will take maybe to regain some of that trust, if ever. And again, we talk about the ways in which the pandemic has changed society. This might be one and not necessarily for the better. Once again, as is our Friday tradition to wrap up the week, my wife Kyra has joined us in the studio. It is time for another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> so uh, this week we thought we would do something uh, especially for those who are going meat-free for Lent, yes. either throughout the entire Lenten season or maybe just a meat-free Friday, Friday, uh, yep. as is uh, kind of common yep. in, in many faiths. Mm -hmm. And uh, we don't do that. No. Uh, but there are many people who do. Yeah. And so we have a collection of meat-free Recipe yep. recipes. Yes. Uh, so, uh, and beginning with salmon patties. Yes, this is so. one of my favorites. <laughs> I I love salmon. Doesn't patties. have to be Lent. Yes. <laughs> no, it doesn't have to be Lent to have salmon patties. So, three five ounce cans of bone boneless skinless salmon, a quarter cup of milk, one cup of panko breadcrumbs, two large eggs, half a teaspoon of salt, a half a teaspoon of black pepper, a few dashes of uh, your seasoning salt your Lowry salt, um, quarter teaspoon of dried cilantro, and a half a teaspoon of onion powder, and a half a teaspoon of parsley. And so in a large mixing bowl, mix all your spices, your eggs, your milk, your salmon, and your breadcrumbs. Form mixture into four to six patties, depending on how how big large you want. Large you want those yep. patties, yeah. Yep. Um, you don't want them too large, obviously, no. because yeah. uh, the larger they are, the longer they take to cook. Correct. So. Correct. Although the, the salmon's already cooked, so, I mean. Good point. It's not that big of a deal. But, yeah, don't warm it completely through. 
So, yes, the one thing I know about cooking, and and it apparently doesn't apply in this yes, case. So. Yes, oh. so <laughs> heat up a skillet in olive oil on medium-high heat. Fry um, your patties on each side until each side is well done. Uh, remove from heat, and um, you can squeeze fresh lemon juice on top of each patty if you like. Okay. Serve with tartar sauce, or I like mine with cocktail sauce. <laughs> Well, cocktail sauce, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. so yep. kind of uh, almost like a shrimp, yeah, would be, but mm-hmm. this is the same same type yep. of thing. Okay, yeah, so. I like the little bit of a kick in in uh, cocktail sauce. Quick, so. uh, quick and easy recipe for yes. salmon patties uh, for your uh, meatless Friday. Yes, and then uh, on the side, a ramen noodle salad. Yeah, so this is kind of you know your your uh, uh, fish and your coleslaw. Well, this is sort of a coleslaw type. Uh, but it's okay. more of a salad. So uh-huh. one three-ounce package of your dry ramen broken noodles, broken into small pieces, mm-hmm. uh, half a cup of chopped cashews, one 16-ounce package of tricolor coleslaw, two-thirds cup of chopped sweet onions. Then your dressing is a half a cup of olive oil, a quarter cup of apple cider vinegar, quarter cup of honey, one teaspoon of minced ginger, one teaspoon of minced garlic, and salt and pepper uh, for taste. Um, for the dressing in a mixing bowl, whisk together your olive oil, your vinegar, your honey, your ginger, your garlic, and your seasonings uh, with your salt and pepper, and whisk that together, and then refrigerate um, until you're ready to um, put that on your slaw. So, uh, yeah, and... It- it's worth pointing out you're preparing the dressing first mm-hmm. so you can refrigerate get, it yeah get that yep. in the refrigerator which yep. allows it to kind of set Correct. a little bit right yes okay yeah kind of blend all together and right. get the tastes uh then for the salad preheat your oven to 400 degrees uh spread your ramen and your cashews onto a baking sheet Toast in the preheated oven for about three minutes. Remove from the oven, uh, toss it a little bit, then spread it back out and return to your oven and toast um, until golden brown about another four minutes or so. Okay. Then let that cool. Uh, in a large salad bowl, um, add your coleslaw, your onions, and your ramen mixture, and then stir your pour your dressing on top. Stir that up and toss well and serve. So you uh, actually have a a salad that you're doing in the oven. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and for dessert, we have a recipe for blueberry pie bars. Yes. So this is one and a half cups of all-purpose flour, three fourths cups of sugar, a pinch of salt, and one and a half. Um, sticks of chilled butter cubed Um, and then your filling is two large eggs one cup sugar a half a cup of sour cream a third cup of all-purpose flour a pinch of salt and three cups of your fresh blueberries so preheat your oven to 350 degrees uh, grease an eight by eight glass baking dish uh, in a large bowl. Combine your flour, your sugar, your salt, and your cubed butter with, and then with an electric mixer um, until uh, blend that until you're you're going to get like crumbles. They're going to be almost like little okay. peas, sort of. <laughs> All right. Um, and then set that aside. Uh, three fourths cups. Set three fourths cups of that mixture aside, and that's going to be the topping. Okay. Um, so then press the rest of the crumbs into the bottom of a glass baking dish. 
um, then bake for 15 minutes until golden brown, remove from the oven, set aside, uh, and set that aside while you make your filling, and that'll help that cool a little bit. Okay. Um, whisk your egg in a large bowl, add your sugar, your sour cream, your flour, and your salt. Gently stir in your blueberries. Um, spoon the mixture evenly over the crust. Sprinkle the reserved crust evenly on top of that and then bake for another 45 to 55 minutes until golden brown and cool for about an hour before serving. So the blueberry pie bars with the crumble topping. Yes. And maybe a little whipped cream on top of yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or really good some too. ice cream. Yeah, some ice cream. Yeah. yeah. Have those with some ice cream. Ice cream, yeah. Especially this time of year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. that sounds uh, delicious. The recipes for the salmon patties, the ramen noodle salad, and the blueberry pie bars are posted on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page at Kyra's Kitchen, WFIN. Also uh, shared on the WFIN page. So if you go to uh, our Facebook page, the WFIN Facebook page, you'll see the link. Make sure you like the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page. And hey, if you've got a uh, meat-free recipe for Lent you want to share, by all means, share it on the uh, Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page. Uh, You can do that. You can post there uh, anytime if you like the page. Um, Make that kind of a recipe-sharing community. Uh, There, feel free to uh, share your recipes. If you have a recipe you would like to share, you can also email it to us. Uh, good mornings at WFIN.com. And if you have a request for a recipe you would like uh, to have something you've been looking for, by all means, uh, let us know and we'll see if we can come up with uh, a solution for yes. you uh, on that. My wife, Kyra, with her uh, recipes from Kyra's Kitchen this morning. Kai, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will wrap up our podcast for today and finish up the week. Want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. Coming up Monday, don't look now, but doom scrolling is back. The phenomenon which led to bouts of anxiety and depression during the pandemic is having the same effect with all the news coming out of Ukraine. We have expert advice on how to deal with it all. So until Monday morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, going out and make it a good day and a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.